0: The idea of identity in Christ is just so radical in comparison to what the world tells you about who you are, whether it's related to, you know, race or where I come from or whatever, like you're being told who you are based on these worldly things,
1: not Christ. This is The Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of his children, what God has done for our storytellers, he lives to do for you. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. We're often told of who we are according to the world and how we see black, white, rich, poor, straight, gay. Today, Adira shares her story of finding her identity in Lost and Found.
0: I'm Adira Polite, a 25 year old from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm the host of the Then God Moved podcast and founder of the Then God Moved ministry. I believe that I'm called to tell stories of Christ's redeeming power. And I almost always share other people's stories, but today for once, I'm gonna tell mine. I want people to know that the God of the Bible is the God of today also. Nothing has changed. Like he still moves, he still performs miracles and saves people out of crazy situations. He does it all the time. I grew up with a single parent. My parents divorced when I was young and my father lived in South Carolina. So I didn't know him very well. I also went to an all girl school my entire life from three to 18. So I didn't know men. I didn't understand men. And I grew up hearing about God all the time. I did not understand the gospel. I could recite the gospel. I could tell you Jesus died on the cross for my sins. If you asked me how that worked, I would say, I don't know. If you asked me anything about it, I would say, I don't know. I could not conceptualize a loving father. I didn't have that. And I didn't really see that. I didn't see loving brothers even. I didn't, I didn't know what it was to be a loving male. For me, love was always like a feminine thing. So, I always had trust issues when it came to men. And then, something I've actually never spoken about. Um, When I was in fifth grade, I believe, it's still kind of hazy. I was spending the night at a family friend's house, and my mom was out of town. She runs a nonprofit and she used to travel to American capital cities all the time. And I spent the night at her friend's house. She's in her 60s, and her niece, Whenever I would spend the night, would always come over and spend the night too. So we would like hang out and have like a little sleepover. One time, she started talking about what she was learning at school. She was a year younger than me, and she essentially pressured me to kiss her. That's how it started. It was like, "You're gonna kiss me," and I was like, "I don't want to." Like that's weird. I really had no idea about anything at this point. I was very very sheltered growing up. I didn't really understand anything. I didn't understand that it was wrong. I didn't think it was right. I just was like, okay, like I don't feel comfortable, but I guess and I felt like I I had to. So, you know, that happens and then it escalates and it escalates and it becomes like a full-on I would call it a sexual experience that was not at all pleasurable. I was very confused the entire time. And then this happened for two nights. The next night the same thing happened again. And I remember her telling me that she'd learned this from her friend. And so, you know, as I years later, and I don't get into that, I began to realize what that actually was. And it's clear to me that someone along that row was touched by an adult. So that's the only way it makes sense for her to have known what that was. Someone along the way was being molested by an adult. But I did not understand that that was abuse. Even though we were both young, I didn't realize that that had affected me and that that was molestation, even if it was another child. In the years following that, I became very sexually confused. A lot of that also had to do with the fact that I was a black girl in an all white space. I was aggressive. Like I have a very dominant kind of aggressive personality. I have a deeper voice, all these things that in this white all girls, very upper class space, me as a lower middle-class black girl, I felt unfeminine and I didn't get the attention that I wanted from the white guys in my space, like the white boys in my space wanted, you know, the dainty blonde girl. I was not that. And so I found validation with as this like more masculine figure. And that's just not even now. That's just not who I am. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a tomboy, but that's just not even me. I'm more girly, but I took on this kind of like masculine persona. And then when I began to hear these identities, like, Oh, you're bisexual you're a lesbian, like these other identities, I very quickly was like, oh, like I can find validation here. There's a whole community of people who, like me, feel like they're the odd one out. They feel like, you know, rejected by the opposite sex or they, whatever. I felt like there was something there for me. And of course, looking back, a lot of that was because of that experience um, with that girl at a young age. I was just very traumatized. but I had no idea that I was traumatized. And that experience manifested in all sorts of stuff. I had eating disorders. I cut, I, you know, all the typical signs of sexual abuse, but I had no idea what it was about. And I really did think that it was because I loved women and there was an aspect to that, but I thought that it was just homophobia was the problem. Essentially. It was that my culture was oppressive and homophobic. And that's why I was so depressed and anxious and all these things. It wasn't brokenness inside of me. It was the world. (laughs) I went on a retreat. It was like a Christian camp retreat, you know, to the mountains. And I remember having an experience there. It was like they sent us out, and they were like, "Go have your like go journal, go talk to God." I didn't really know what that meant, but I remember coming back and just having this overwhelming like heat. Is that how I would describe it? Where I was just like, "God's real." I know that. And I after was saying to myself, I'm done with, like, the gay thing. Because at this point, I hadn't really done anything. I hadn't really explored, but I knew that I was taking on this identity that I was being told was contrary to God's will for me. So I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to white knuckle it and do it on my own. Like, I'm just going to be done with this. And that lasted, like, a a few months or so. And I was like, well, screw this. Like, if it's this or that, this is who I am. So if God won't accept me for who I am, quote, unquote, then I guess I'm done. I embrace a bisexual title i always called myself bisexual or queer you know for years girlfriends i go off to college i don't go to church anymore once i'm in college doing my own thing i thought i was happy i really did like i think back on this it's actually insane like i was miserable but if you had asked me are you happy i would say yes i was successful i was popular i had leadership positions on campus i was getting all the internships i wanted I was living like the world's dream life. And I was celebrated because I went to school in Maine where it was totally fine on this liberal campus to be the black queer girl that got me points. Like I was cool at school. My sophomore year, I was at a party. There was a girl there who I'd been very into for a long time. There had been a mutual attraction. We both like knew that the other person was interested. I'm at a party, there's a poster on the wall And it's ACDC's Highway to Hell. I was staring at this poster and it wasn't like I'm on the highway to hell or I'm in danger per se, but I just was struck by it. I remember just staring at the poster and being kind of like unsettled. I went back to my dorm. I took this girl home with me and I like couldn't do it. Like it felt repulsive. It wasn't like this is wrong. It was just like, I don't want this. Like I I really don't want to be doing this thing. And I still wrestle with that. I still don't know exactly what that was. But to this day, I have no desire for women. Like he took it away. I don't know if, sometimes I wonder, did I ever, was it always abuse? Was it always something else? But he took that away. Like there's so many things I still struggle with, but he just straight up took that away. So it's very obvious to me, God was regenerating me before. Um, Like I very much believe that my faith was a response to him already coming in. I don't think that I initiated anything. So the summer of 2016, I can only describe it. Like God just grabbed me. Like he grabbed me like and was like, come on. Because I was not looking. I was doing research on campus that summer on mass incarceration. Because that's where my heart still is, is with those in prison. And that's the work I was doing. I was just reading books after book after book about the history of black criminalization in this country, not thinking about God at all. If anything, kind of like, if, the, if God's real, why would this stuff be happening? I was reading some scholarly work and there was a reference to Revelation that I didn't understand. I went to go find out what this meant and I just started reading. And this was the summer of those three police shootings that were back to back to back. It was um, Philando Castile... I honestly can't remember the names, but there were three police shootings back to back and there was so much tension on campus and there was so much tension like in my heart and it was just racial strife and all sorts of stuff. And I remember reading Revelation and I've, I've always been somewhat of a conspiracy theorist. So this was like very much in character, but I was reading Revelation and I was like, this is, this is this. I was like, this is happening. Like what I'm seeing in Revelation the way that the society is the way that everything's unfolding, like the reality of evil, like this is true, but I wasn't like, okay, the Bible is necessarily true, but I was like something, there's something to this. And so I just started to read casually on my computer. I didn't even have a Bible, but I would read like online on the internet scripture. And I'll never forget this one day I was having a terrible day. My academic advisor had just dropped all of his mentees And I was super stressed out. I was like, oh, my research isn't going well, blah, 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 blah. And I remember saying to my friend, I was like, okay, well, hopefully lunch is good. You know, we go to the dining hall, and I was like, hopefully lunch will be good today. And it was all of my favorite foods. And I I quickly talked myself out of it, but it was literally like all my favorite foods, none of which go together. Like it was just like mac and cheese, Caesar salad, like all these things that they never have at the same time. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I went back to my dorm later that day, and I remember I entered my dorm it was a single room and i entered and it was that same heat feeling of just like god is in this space and i had this overwhelming realization and it was about the food it was so small at that point but it was about the food i was like that was god like he loves me he really does like he actually cares and that just sh- that shook me at that point like okay god's real but i was still very much resisting the Bible being true but I was like okay there's a higher power and he actually does like they told me when I was a young person he does care and he, he does see me and that that starts to change things the second half of the summer I spent at the Innocence Project in New York and I lived with my mom's really good friend from college who's a pastor I didn't really know this woman but this was planned long before. And this was obviously God. So I'm living with this pastor. I get to her house in Brooklyn and I asked her if she had a Bible I could borrow (laughs) because I was still reading on the internet at this point. And she gives me like multiple Bibles and stuff. And I just start to like read more and more and more. I start to read the gospels. She would invite me to church every single Sunday and I was not interested. Um, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I would go out usually on Friday night after leaving. My internship leaving the office, I would go out and come home on Sunday, like hang out all weekend with my friends, partying, whatever. But there was like a weird feeling, like I knew something was shifting inside me. Like I couldn't have fun the way that I used to. I wasn't having sex and I couldn't really put my finger on why. I was kind of having an identity crisis. I was like, I don't want to have sex with men or women. Like I don't know what's going on with me. But this used to be a huge part of my identity. Like I was a Dira. The president of the Gay Straight Alliance on campus very out, very publicly, you know, if you disagree with me, I don't care, like screw you type person. And now I I don't want to have sex. And it feels like there's a a moral component to it. My very last Sunday in Brooklyn, I decided to go to church with my aunt. And it's crazy. I'm literally sitting there. (laughs) And it's a guest pastor. And he starts talking about he starts talking about the lost sheep and he gives this entire sermon i was like kind of paying attention not really but he was talking about the lost sheep at the very end he says i know that there's a lost sheep in this room come forward and it was the same heat like the same crazy thickness like it was like it was humid in the church to me and i knew he was talking to me and i thought it was just a casual like Altar call, I could just kind of ignore it. But he was like, We're waiting. Like, he was like, I know you're in here. We're waiting. And I was like, sweating. And I was like, I'm not going up. That's embarrassing. But the Holy Spirit moved. Like, I felt myself get up and go. And I was crying my eyes out. And that is just when it all became very, like, I knew he'd been chasing me for that whole summer. But that's when it was like, I have no choice but to respond. Like, it's just happening. It's just, this is what's happening. And from then on, everything shifted that same day, the Holy Spirit said to me, because that's when I started to really hear him. Like clearly the Holy Spirit told me to reach out to a girl named Amanda at my school, who I knew of, I like knew who she was, but that seemed really weird to me. I was like, I don't, she's going to think I'm crazy, but I messaged her and I was like, Hey, I just became a Christian. Like God told me to reach out to you. And she thought that I was pranking her she's now one of my best friends but she thought that i was pranking her because she knew who i was she knew what i was about on campus and she was like what like you're a christian like what and she turned it turns out she's one of the leaders of the christian fellowship so when i got back to campus i was like immediately plugged into community and you know god knew what he was doing and so i also wrote an article for my school paper called coming out christian (laughs) i didn't say anything i can send you the link i didn't say anything in the article about sexuality, I alluded to darkness and then titled it coming out Christian and thought that I was slick. (laughs) And so everyone knew obviously what I was saying. Um, But I was really, 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 really terrified to speak about it because I knew how it sounded because the things that I was saying, the things coming out of my mouth were things that I'd heard growing up that when you don't have the Holy spirit, it sounds just stupid. I was like, I know I sound dumb. I know I sound bigoted. I know I sound brainwashed I knew how I sounded to them because I was them like a few months ago. And when I came to faith, I was, I became aware of a spiritual war essentially is what it was, was, oh, there's a spiritual battle happening. What I thought was just guilt or internalized homophobia. Cause that's what you'll be told. It is. It's internalized homophobia. It's not that there's something written on your heart. It's that you've internalized what society has told you. When I realized that there was a spiritual war, it made so much more sense. I was like, oh, there's an actual fight for my soul going on. And that's that's what's going on here. It's just very, very clear to me what's happening right now. Just in the world, there's a huge revival happening in the queer community. There are just people flooding out of the community and meeting Jesus. There's an organization called Freedom March, and they do marches around the world of People who have been freed from homosexuality. It's like it ranges in in story from it's a battle for me every day, and I'm like struggling all the time. I'm sinning all the time. I'm falling into it all the time. But I love Jesus, and I know Jesus has got me, and I'm being sanctified. To people who've been out and have lost the desire, and have been you know just you know walking in freedom for decades. And people in the middle who are you know, struggling, but by the grace of God, resisting and living their life in Christ. The idea of identity in Christ is just so radical in comparison to what the world tells you about who you are. And that's still something I'm trying to, there are a lot of things that I'm trying to shed because it's that's a very obvious identity. Like you're told you're gay, that's who you are, that's your personhood. But there's so many other subtler identities that I agree to there's so many like like word packs that I made whether it's related to you know race or where I come from or whatever like you're being told who you are based on these worldly things not Christ I wake up every day with just genuine joy even when things are really crappy it's like I know I'm I have a mission like it's an adventure life is an adventure now and God is revealing himself to me and the friends that come into my life aren't friends of convenience or circumstance or it's you know trauma bonding which is what a lot of relationships in the queer community are it's trauma bonding it's we've both been through these awful awful things and we understand each other but now it's yeah i've been through some awful stuff and i'm walking it out with jesus and so are you that's a whole nother level of friendship it's like a whole nother level of intimacy so it's just when i look back i'm like i thought i was happy because i was popular and successful and stuff but I had no idea that there was this type of happiness, this type of, it's like not circumstantial. Whatever happens, there's still joy available and that's not available outside of Christ.
1: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed Adira's story, we think you'll also like Samuel's story, Coming Out in Christ, and Anthony's story, Facing Mental Affliction. They'll be linked in the show notes below. We encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what He wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share his stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.